Let's go to the Word of God as well this morning. Let's open our Bibles, if you will, please open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Now, on the 7th, when I was here, I I didn't finish my message, so I will not be long this morning. Uh, uh, I know some of you have been complaining, Pastor, you're going too long with your messages. So this morning, I'll be so brief and so short. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be a miracle, I promise you. Um, Exodus chapter uh, 3, and uh, we will continue our sermon, which we left uh, on the 7th uh, of March. Exodus chapter 3, and we'll read from verse 7 to 10. Exodus chapter 3, 7 and 10. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to verse 10. Exodus chapter 3, is the second book of the Bible. We'll read from verse 7 to verse 10. And the title of our sermon, The God Who Cares. It's not a part two, it's just a continuation of the sermon. Uh, We're going to begin where we left off, but I'm going to try to uh, follow up uh, so that those of you who were not here can catch up. Let's have the reading of of the word of God, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. And the Lord said... He's talking to Moses, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8, and I, the Lord, am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out out of the land and unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse 9. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, Moses, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you be glorified this morning. Lord, we bring our brothers and sisters in different churches this morning before you. Uh, Some are looking for a church building. We know, Lord, that the the church is not the building. The church are the people whom you've saved. And so we believe, Lord, that you will grant them a building in a time that suits you. And Father, we pray for Gethsemane Baptist Church in Nelspreet. We pray, Father, that that those people there, that the believers will find good pastures Uh, where you will lead them as individuals. We pray that they will continue being lights where they can, and I pray that you open doors for them. We pray for Pastor Alan Messer, uh, Lord, as he's, I know this is hard on him as well. I pray that you would uh, give comfort to the church and wisdom and and clarification on what to do next. And Father, we pray for Pastor Clive 
and Colleen, I pray uh, your blessing upon them as they travel as well. I pray that you continue to bless them with safety. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The God who cares, the God who cares. The disciples ask a very important question when they were faced with calamity on the sea going to a ministry to cast out demons on a man that was demon-possessed. On their way there to Gadara, they were faced with a, a storm on the way there. And Jesus was asleep, resting. And as the billows and waves kept tossing the boat, they were afraid of their lives. And the disciples woke the Lord up. Lord, carest thou not that we die? Don't you care that we die? Does God care? Does he see? Does he understand our sorrows, our pain, our grief, our anguish? Does he see? Does he recognize my pain when I'm ill, when I'm sick, when I'm going through difficulty in my life, when things don't seem to uh, work out according to plan? I'm not getting a job. I'm not... everything I've been asking for, the desires of my heart, don't seem to align with the life that I've planned for myself. It seems as if God doesn't care, doesn't see, doesn't realize, doesn't recognize that I'm there. Sometimes it seems as though God doesn't see my tears when I cry. Does he see? I'm going to try to cover the, uh, some of the things we went to last time. If you're following in your bulletin, point number one, God surely sees. Look at verse seven. Look at verse seven with me, if you will, please, of uh, Exodus chapter three, verse seven. The Bible says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen my people. I have seen their affliction. I have surely seen their afflictions. Does God see? You better believe God sees. God sees your pain. God sees your anguish. God sees your affliction. And I, I, and I try to demonstrate the word affliction there. It, it comes along with the word depression. You're depressed. You're afflicted with something. It, it carries the meaning of misery. You are miserable in your life. And so you were depressed. There's depression in your life. Does God see my affliction? Hallelujah, he does. He saw the affliction of his people in Egypt, the way they were suffering, the way they were being afflicted, the way that they were grieved. And God says, I surely see it. I'm seeing it. Hey, listen, whatever you're going through in your life, God sees, he sees, especially if you are his child, especially if you've been washed with the blood of Christ, you belong to him, your names are written down in the book of life, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a child of heaven, God sees your pain, he sees his people, he recognizes their depression and their misery, he sees their affliction. Don't you ever come to a conclusion in your life whatever the circumstance may be, whatever the grief or the pain or the affliction may be, whatever oppression or depression you're going through, our God sees that pain. He sees it. 
Yes, at the present time, obviously, you don't feel like he sees. Amen? Hey, you don't feel like he sees. When you're going through pain and affliction, you feel like people have forsaken you. You feel like you are completely alone. You're even starting to doubt God's care. But he sees. He sees. It could be that maybe it's your job that you hate. Your affliction can be uh, your health problem. Maybe you have a health issue. It could be that uh, you're going through a difficult time in your marriage uh, with your spouse or with your neighbor, it, whatever it may be. Or you're going through death in your family. Afflictions are there, but God surely sees. Hallelujah. He sees. So we move there. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to dwell long. But let's look at, uh, keep your finger in uh, Exodus chapter uh, 3 in our main text. Keep your finger there and turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, just a couple of books after Exodus, you'll find 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible before you, I'll try to read it slowly so that everybody can understand. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 7. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 7. I want to show you from the word of God that God sees our affliction. That's the first line that you're going to write there. He sees our affliction. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 7. Look at what David is saying here. David is saying, in my, what church? Distress. It's just affliction. In my distress, in my affliction, I called upon the Lord and cried to my pastor. I cried to who? To God. I cried to my God and he heard my voice. Hallelujah. This God heard my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter his ear. Ah, hallelujah. Hey, listen, God sees, God hears our afflictions. David here was happy. Brother Henry, he was happy. His enemies were chasing him and King Saul was chasing him and King Saul had died at this particular time. He's happy. He's celebrating. God heard my cry. He, he delivered me from my distress. He delivered me from my afflictions. So he's happy. He's thanking God that God heard his cry. God saw his affliction. So he's praising God. Look at Psalms 118 and verse 5. Psalm 118 and verse 5. Psalm 118 and verse 5. Now, I need to hurry up. <laughs> I made a promise. Psalm 118 and verse 5. I called upon Pastor David in distress. Is it wrong? I called upon Pastor Timbiso and Iman. I have a different translation here. <laughs> this is not the word of God. <laughs> I called upon who, church? Upon the Lord in distress. 
when things were not going well, when things were hard, I called upon God. In my distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Hallelujah. Hey, what a wonderful God. Amen. We can carry on and carry on and carry on. I, I was going to read to you Romans chapter 8, verse 35. So you can write it down. It says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall dis distress, tribulation, shall anguish separate us from the love of God? Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Our God sees. Ah, our second point. God sees our trouble. Hallelujah. God sees our trouble. Now I'm going through what we already went through but I'm taking a different angle. Uh, God sees our trouble. Does God care? Can he see our troubles? Can he see what we're going through? Can, he, can you sleep at night knowing that God sees your trouble? I'm going to take this thing off. Our God sees. He sees our trouble. God cares when you have a child that's hurting you. God cares when you have problems and troubles with your family. God sees, God cares every time you face calamity. God sees our trouble. Look at Exodus chapter 6, 3, verse 16. Let's go back. Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. Now we're going back to our main text. Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you this morning may be going through trouble. Some of you may be going through pain. Take comfort in the word of God that God sees. Exodus chapter 3 verse 16. Go. Ah, I love that word. Go and gather the elders of Israel together. He's talking to Moses. And say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you by the Egyptians. I see it. You may be being be persecuted, I don't know by who. Trying to live for God, you're being persecuted. At work, you're trying to get that gospel track out. They're laughing at you. I don't want the Jesus of yours. I don't want this Christ of yours. You're being persecuted for your, for your faith in Christ. God sees it. You have a family that is so far from God. And every time you're thinking of visiting them, you're grieved. God sees. He sees. I want to labor on this point, on this part as well, that God, church, sees our sins. Amen? God sees our sins. There are some sins 
that we try and hide. I don't want people seeing this is my sin. We try and hide our sins. Also those God sees. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse Exodus 32. Exodus 32. We're still under trouble. God sees our trouble, but also God sees our sins. He sees everything. There's nothing that's hidden from him. Exodus chapter 32, verse 7 to 9. Now God delivered Israel out of their problems and out of their troubles. And after he had delivered them, they are happy, but shortly after that, shortly after that, they forsake him. Kyle, after they seen with their own eyes, God fight for them, physically see with their own eyes the miracles God does. They forsake him. And they worship a golden calf. <laughs> now, that mind boggles me, but at the same time, I look at my heart, I'm exactly the same, same way. God delivers you out of the trouble, you're happy, and you forget God's blessing and goodness, and you rush back to sin. Same thing that Israel did. Look at Exodus chapter 32, verse 7 to 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Moses is in the mountain right now. He's collecting the Ten Commandments. All right? This is where Moses is when God is speaking to him now. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down. He's in the mountain. He says, Go down. Go, get thee down for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Verse 8. They have turned aside. They have turned aside from serving me. They have turned aside quickly. Quickly, fast, out of the way which I commanded them, they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the hand, out of the land of Egypt. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have what, church? I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. God first of all said, I have seen their troubles. I have seen their sorrows. I have seen their cries. Now, a couple of weeks later, I have seen that they are stiff-necked people. What a different switch. God sees everything everything. Nothing is hidden from him. He sees everything. Let's go to another text. Second Samuel, if you will, please. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second, we're still under trouble. Hey, I'm not going to get to it. 30 minutes here, I'm not going to cover it. La? Second Samuel chapter 11 of, as a brief. Uh, let me turn there myself. Second Samuel Chapter 11. Now, the context here is David has stolen uh, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. So I'm going to paraphrase as I go along. 
2 Samuel chapter 11. Look at verse 26, if you will, please. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 26. So the context is here, Bathsheba. David sees Bathsheba bathing in the king's, in the, uh, not far from where the king lives. And David lusts against Bathsheba, Bathsheba. And he calls for Bathsheba, sleeps with Bathsheba, while Bathsheba's husband is in war fighting for King David. So the context is basically David kills Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, kills him, takes Bathsheba, marries her. Look at verse 26. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, killed by David, was dead, she mourned for her husband. Verse 27. And when the morning was passed, David sent and fetched for uh, her to his house, and she became David's wife and bare him a son. But the thing which David had done did what, church? It displeased God. David did everything on the, on the down low, on the side. He did everything hidden. Listen, I'm going to take Bathsheba. Call her secretly. I want her here. Sleeps with Bathsheba secretly. Sleeps with her while the husband is at war, fighting. David takes her, sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. Tries to hide it. When Uriah, when, she, when David finds out she's pregnant, David calls for Uriah at war. He calls for Uriah. Uriah comes and approaches the king, King David. Uriah, how's the war going? Pretend. Is he prepared? How's the war going? He's trying to do things secretly. How's the war going? Hey, go, go, go to your wife at home. You see where this is going? Go to your wife at home so that Uriah may sleep with his wife you won't recognize that it was David who got pregnant. I mean, he did King David. He died, did everything secretly. When that didn't work, he sent Joab, the, 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 the captain of the host, the captain of war. He says, Job, listen, put Uriah on the forefront of the war where the battle is hot so that he will be the first one to die, Uriah. He cannot find out that I slept with his wife. He sends Uriah Right on the forefront, make sure that he dies, Uriah. Uriah is dead. That's where we catch up. When, her, when, when she found out her husband was dead. And the thing, what? Displeased God. Nobody else saw it. But God saw it. Listen, this is the same David who was saying, Oh, God, you delivered me out of my troubles and my trials. You delivered me out of sorrow and pain. A couple of months later, he's here. Look at chapter 12. We're in chapter 11. Let's look at chapter 12. And God sends his prophet to David. Long story short, I wish I can read this whole story, but we will never leave church. I wish I can read the story for you. Anyway, um, God sends Nathan the prophet. Look at verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David and came unto him and said unto him, there, was, there were two men. So Nathan comes and tells a story to, 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 to David that, that, that follows what David did. 
Look at verse, um, oh dear me, verse, verse 7. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man, you are the man that I'm talking about. Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. You see, I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. That's when David said, you delivered me out of my enemies. Verse 8, and I gave thee, uh, thy, and I gave thee masters of, her, of thy houses and thy master's wives unto thy bosom. I gave you wives. I gave thee houses of Israel and of Judah. And, it, and if it had not been uh, too little, I would have moreover have given unto thee such and such. God is saying, I would have given you more stuff. The only thing you just needed to do is ask me. Verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? God sees. You did evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thy wife before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and, and, shall, and your neighbors shall lie with thy wives in your sight. Now, look at verse 12. This is very important. For thou, David, David, did it, what? Secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. So you did this thing, what? Secretly. You tried to hide your sin. But God sees everything. 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 You know, I wish I can go deeper and deeper on what God sees, but uh, we will never finish. Number two, point number two. God surely hears. God surely hears. God surely hears your cry. Or your crying. God surely hears your cry or your crying. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3. God hears your crying. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Now the Lord said unto Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry. They are crying. They were crying. They were in pain. And God heard their cry. Secondly, God hears your prayers. Second point after that, God hears your prayers. Uh, I'm, I'm just skipping here so that we'll cover. God hears your prayers. Uh, number three, point three, our final point for the morning. God surely knows. God surely knows, uh, verse 7, God surely knows your sorrows, or God surely knows my sorrows, verse 7 again, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry, 
by the reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Sorrow is very troubling. I saw sorrow last week with some of our people in Gethsemane Baptist Church. They were crying. They were in sorrow. Sorrow is the word used to, dis to describe distress, yes. A heavy heart. A heart that's heavy. The Bible talks about a sorrow of the heart and a sorrow of the mind. That God sees our sorrows. Um, look at John, if you will, please. Let's go to the New Testament, John chapter 16. I want to tell you something. God sees your sorrows. I'm almost done. God sees your sorrows. God sees your sorrows. John 16, verse 20. Let's hear from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords what he has to say about sorrow. The Lord Jesus Christ. John 16, verse 20. He's speaking to his disciples. John 15, John 13, no, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples. And this is one of the goodbyes. John 16, verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he's talking to his own disciples, that you shall weep. He doesn't hide it from them. He says, you will weep, you will lament. You know the word lament? It's a clear description of the word crying. You, you will lament from, the, from deep down in your heart. You know, have you seen a child when, when the child is beaten up, when they cry, they cry like this, ah! It's, it's that type of lament. It's deep in the heart. Obviously, as, as a, when you're old, you, you can't cry like that. <laughs> when you're old, you feel it heavy in your heart, don't you? It's more heavy. It weighs on your heart. It's that type of word. Jesus said you will lament. You know why? You're not in heaven yet. You're still on earth. <laughs> you're not home yet. He says you will weep. You will lament. But the world will rejoice. The world will be happy. They will celebrate because they enjoy their sin. To them, it's home. They're happy here. They can bribe. They can steal, grant money. They, they do whatever they want. So they're happy. They, they celebrate. They're, they're joyful. You understand? They fornicate. They can sleep with how many girls they want, how many men they want. They go to a party. They sleep with this one. The following Saturday, get drunk, get high, sleep with that one. They're happy. They're at home. They're in heaven. They're celebrating their homeness here. But you are not home yet. And so you will lament. You will be sorrow. You will have sorrow. But look, 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 look at what the Lord says. And, and he shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into what? To joy. 
Because one day when you go to heaven, it will be time to joy. You will be happy forever. Hallelujah. God sees our sorrows. All right, my last point for this morning. I think I'm, I'm on time. My last point for this morning is grieve. God surely sees our griefs, our griefs. I'm not going to labor too long on this point. Have you ever been grieved by somebody? Grief. I, have people, I, I heard people use this term, great grief. Great grief. These children of Israel, God's people, who have been grieved just because they loved God. Just because they had God's promises on them. And they were grieved. But I know a man who was not a stranger to grief. And I'm not talking about Jay-Z, Jacob Zuma. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a man who was not a stranger to grief. Who in fact, the Bible says, was acquainted. The word acquainted there is, means grief sort of became like his friend. Look at Isaiah with me, chapter 53. God sees our griefs, Isaiah 53 and verse 3. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah or lived 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he prophesies about the coming of this Christ, this Jesus. And this is what he has to say about Jesus. Uh, he says, he is despised, rejected of man. A man of what, church? Sorrows and acquainted with what? With grief. This man is a man of sorrows. He was full of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Grief was his friend. Jesus was no stranger to pain, to sorrow, to grief. He was a man despised and rejected, mocked and laughed at. Today, we would call him Israel most wanted. He was a criminal and yet sinless. He was hated. The way the acquainted describes the fact that Jesus befriended sorrows and grief. You know who he did it for? For you. He didn't have to. He didn't have to come here and be spat upon and cast on. Read the Talmud. The Talmud is a bunch of Jewish writings. They, listen. Oh, man, I wish I could. The Talmud, the Talmud is about this big. Of books. Books and books. Of, some, some of it was destroyed when the temple was destroyed. Back in 70 AD. You, you, you catch from the word of God how the Jewish people hated Christ, don't you? I mean, it's there, it's clear. They hated him. The Talmud doesn't hide that. Here the Holy Spirit, you know, he tried to protect us from all of that stuff. The Talmud, the Talmud called Jesus the son of a whore. 
He's the son of a whore. They called Mary a whore. How did you get Jesus? They called him the son of a whore. I wish I, they hated. He was acquainted with grief. Everywhere he went, they despised him, cast stones at him. <laughs> a man acquainted with sorrows and grief for you and me. Now, I'm closing here. I'm going to finish with maybe a sad point, but not too sad. But hopefully it's going to comfort you. Do you know that nobody, no one, no one comforted Jesus? Let that, that sink into you. Nobody came to Jesus and grabbed his shoulder and said, Lord, how are you doing today? He comforted and received no comfort. He was acquainted with pain and grief. Nobody cared. When he was beaten and smitten for our, for our grief, Peter denied. I don't know him. I don't know him. Wrong man. Nobody comforted. God had to send an angel in the Garden of Gethsemane. God had to send an angel. And the, the, as Jesus was crying, the Bible says he was sweating great sweat of blood. He had nobody to comfort him. The only person he relied on was God. He talked with his father. The Bible says he would spend the whole night talking to God. Cried to him. And God had to send an angel. And the Bible said an angel came shooting down from heaven and comforted him. And comforted him. You and me have the comfort of the word of God. We have one another. But he took our pain and our griefs and our and today we can go to him and say, Lord, help me. <laughs> because he knows what it feels like. Hallelujah. He knows what it feels like. So church, we have a mighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, what a wonderful God we serve. Amen. Amen. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, you don't have to tell me, I'm going to just read this for you. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. From their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hallelujah.